This is Carl Zinsmeister with Sweet Charity, a series of stories about how private giving solves public problems, adapted from the Philanthropy Roundtable's Almanac of American Philanthropy, which is now available in a new compact edition. I'm soon going to be speaking to an audience at the magnificent Eastman School of Music in Rochester, New York. In a July 2017 episode of Sweet Charity, I described the passionate attachment to music of all kinds that fueled Kodak founder George Eastman in his creation of the Eastman School. He poured millions of donated dollars and a great deal of his personal time into turning it into one of the world's great conservatories for training musicians. The Eastman School was an important part of Americanizing classical music. Until its founding, you often had to go to Europe if you wanted to become a conductor or a concertmaster or a principal player in an orchestra. Little classical music was written or arranged in this country. There weren't enough skilled musicians in many U.S. cities that were growing and wanting their own performing groups. The Eastman School also played an important role in popularizing classical music. George Eastman insisted that tickets should be reasonably priced, that dress codes should be relaxed, and that great classical music should feel approachable to average Americans. Eastman helped break down some of the barriers between high art and popular art in other areas as well. And rather than doing this by dumbing down high art, he accomplished it by raising the quality of popular entertainments. Take, for example, film. In the 1920s, film was considered a cheap and crude entertainment. Flimsy melodramas, really low production values, thinly dressed starlets, crude stereotypes, exaggerated acting. There wasn't much quality in the early movies. But George Eastman was adamant that under the right conditions, film could be an art form, not just a rowdy pastime. Obviously, he had commercial reasons for wanting film to become a new artistic success since his Kodak company sold most of the raw materials for making movies. But he also just had high expectations in art and everything else. So Eastman took many steps to raise the cultural tone at the movies. He encouraged the showing of films at the gorgeous, highly decorated concert hall, which seats 3,000 people, that he created at the Eastman School. Before screenings and while silent films rolled, he brought in skilled orchestras to play good music. While film reels were being changed, hired singers would belt out snatches of operatic music. At one point, Eastman commissioned an avant-garde dancer who had broken with traditional ballet, and he asked her to create dramatically new dance routines so that film audiences could be exposed to interesting live performances before and after their movies. She created her own original dance movements, and throughout the 1925 to 26 school year, she trained students from the Eastman School for these movie time performances. Many novel techniques were pioneered by the young choreographer, whose name was Martha Graham. Then at the Eastman School's Kodak Film Studio, George Eastman had one of Martha Graham's experimental dances filmed. The several-minute-long movie was called The Flute of Krishna, and it was one of the first color pictures ever made. It combined an exotic Indian setting with the rudiments of what became modern dance, all set to this original Asian soundtrack.
This little experiment in artistic expression caused a minor sensation, first at the Eastman School and then in New York City. After her year in Rochester, Martha Graham returned to Manhattan and went on to create much of the aesthetic and physical language of modern dance. She would become one of the most influential American artists ever. And the film director, who worked with Graham at Eastman's school, named Ruben Mamoulian, likewise went on to become a famous Broadway theater and film director. And all of this happened just because philanthropist George Eastman wanted to raise the sights of film-going audiences a little higher than the banana peels that littered the floors of slapstick productions of that era. For Sweet Charity, this has been Carl Zinsmeister. And for more tales from the Almanac of American Philanthropy, which is now available in an updated compact edition, please find the book at Amazon. Amazon.